Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Today we're going to talk about self-abandonment, what that means, and uh, I always start with an opening question. So my opening question is this, what is one thing that you have redefined lately? There's a new definition to this, something that is different. We'll start with uh, Vanessa. Vanessa, I almost called you my wife. You know, I, I think I should just call you my wife. How would that feel for you? Or do you think we should save it in case we get married? Because so many people just assume that we're married. I mean, at this point, to me, it's just language. I don't, I don't, I, I think for all intents and purposes, I pretty much am your wife. I mean, we, sh we own property together. We have a child, like, <laughs> it's just vernacular. Okay, okay, take a second, close your eyes. Let me know how this feels. Let's start with my wife, Vanessa Bennett. <laughs> It's How's funny. It are you, are you, are you, do you want to run out the door or are you like, oh, that's kind of hot? Is it weird that my initial reaction was to laugh? <laughs> like it makes me giggle, like in a kind weird, uncomfortable either, way. Either laugh or run. If she's not laughing, she's running. What is, one, what is one thing that you have redefined? Partnership. Mm. And what's the new definition? Succinctly, since I know John likes me to be succinct. Um... <laughs> Someone asks, am I proposing? I will never propose on, Inst on an Instagram Can you Instagram imagine? <laughs> That's like the most embarrassing influencer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, what, is, what does it mean now what the new definition is? I mean, I don't know if I can be succinct about it other than just to say I'm in a deep process of redefining what partnership looks like and feels like for me because it's always been viewed through the lens of what it looks like for the other person and society. Right. And I'm not interested in that. So I think I'm just, I'm, I don't know the answer to it yet because I'm currently in the process of redefining. Mm. I think that's a, that's a really good one. Um, and of course it's going to affect me directly. So uh, to be continued, Danae, what is a new definition of something? What are you redefining these days? Oh my gosh. Um, so I feel like, this is something I was just having a conversation with my own therapist about, but I have always and up until recently called this a life school. Those of you who know me, can you not hear me, John? Uh, I, I can hear you. You're a little bit distorted. You kind of sound a little bit like uh, Max Headroom. I don't know um, if I dated myself, but that was from the 80s. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think if you take those out and you just talk, it'll be fine. Is this better? Yeah, much that's so better. much better. Okay. So. Um, up until recently, I have sort of referred to this as a life school. I think that's something that I've taken from like Oprah and other spiritual teachers and that like we have come into this life to learn specific lessons from some external entity. And what I've come to understand from this book that I'm reading that's sort of like blowing my mind is that this is actually a life creation and that we are the creators. There's no sort of external entity that is sort of ruling over us, deciding the lessons that we need to learn. It's something that we are in relationship with ourselves and with all of the people that we have created soul contracts with in order to um, 
to create our lives, which is exciting because it becomes like, this is our own Willy Wonka's chocolate factory that we get to create all the adventures for ourselves that we are hungry to experience within this life. And I'm kind of obsessed with it, so. Yeah, it sounds, uh, you know, that reframe is more empowering. So mm. it's almost like going from writing shotgun if you know the quote unquote universe is is, is uh, at the driver's the driver's wheel and now you reframing as in you're taking the wheel. Yeah, like the universe is within me. So yeah. I'm creating it. Yeah. Yes, you're creating it. Yeah. The universe is not riding shotgun. <laughs> That's right. Or <laughs> I like this, Sinead. Right. I like this. We'll have to go right. talk about this more on the podcast. Can you tell I'm all like, hi, I'm like, I love it. I'm obsessed with this idea. Yeah. What is uh, self-abandonment? What does that mean? I think we hear this term a lot. I know you guys talk about it a lot. You guys also have a retreat about this. Um, first, let's start with the definition. What does that mean? Yeah, so I'll jump in. Um, Vanessa, I think that Vanessa and I really have based on the fact that we come from a depth psychology background, a little bit of a different perspective about like Vanessa was just speaking to our relationships and what is the work that we have come into this life to do. And, you know, one of the things Vanessa and I talk about constantly is that we are all really raised to be very codependent. This is like a codependent society. It's kind of the air that we breathe. And so in order to attach to other people and attempt to secure um, attachments, I wouldn't say healthy attachments, but attachments of some kind, we really are conditioned from a very young age to um, disconnect from our authentic selves, from our own sense of autonomy and what our needs are and attempt to stay in relationship with those around us, but that comes at a cost. And so the work that Vanessa and I do is really explore what that has looked like, um, how we come into recognition of that and how those behavioral patterns show up for all of us. And then the work that we do to sort of reclaim um, an authentic sense of self. Mm. Vanessa, what's your definition of self-abandonment? Um, I mean, I think it's, you know, exactly what Danae said. It's like, as somebody who is on this lifelong journey of codependency recovery, I have for so long believed deeply that in order to be connected or attached to other people, I have to abandon, I have to sever, I have to compartmentalize parts of myself, my true self in order to do that. And it's been reestablished over and over and over again by those that I have chose to attach to in my life. So whether it's the people I didn't choose, so like my family of origin, who, listen, they're in their own societal programming too, like kind of reestablish this, this feeling that I've had, or if it's the people that I've brought into my orbit, mostly unconsciously, who continue to kind of perpetuate my belief that I cannot show up in my, you know, full authentic self and still be in attachment with them. It's just been reminded. It's like over and over and over. And so at some point I hit a wall in my life where I started realizing like we're all in these attachments that are essentially like unspoken contracts mm -hmm. of you need to be this to me and fulfill this role to me. And you're not allowed to, you know, be this component of yourself if we're going to stay attached. It's like it's all of these relationships that have these unspoken rules and contracts and I found that so many of my relationships were very, you know, what Danae and I talk about this idea of like, it's like very like take, right? It's a very, um, Danae, what's the word that you use? Take. Those kind of, like those kind of <laughs> Transactional, is that what Transactional, yeah. Like the relationships become very transactional. And I, 
I had a point in my life where I realized so many of my relationships were just that, right? Um, and that if I, if I stepped outside of whatever that box was that somebody had me in, that I would probably lose that relationship. And then I had to address all the fear that came up around that and all of the, you know, further self-abandoning behavior that came up around that fear. And that is just where so much of my personal work has been and, and also so much of my work with clients as well. Yeah, thank you. So my, uh, my really super simple street level uh, definition of self-abandonment is uh, whenever I find myself exchanging my truth for any kind of membership, I feel like I'm abandoning myself. Mm -hmm. So membership can be a friendship. It can be um, it could be something like you're sitting at a restaurant and you decide to go with what the other person wants to eat instead of what you're really craving, right? Membership can be uh, to be a part of a group. It can be social media. It can be cash. If you are exchanging your truth for a lump sum, uh, that can be a form of self-abandonment, right? So, uh, yeah, I think this is really um, an important topic. Um, so how, how do you guys now um, help people with this? So you guys have personal relationships with abandoning self, and you guys share, uh, you know, on your own social medias, uh, what that has been like, right? And the consequences of that. How do you guys now help people with um, their self-abandonment? I mean, I think today and I both do that work individually with our, our, you know, our followers, our clients, et cetera. We both run groups that are kind of special to us. So, you know, I used to, I'm, I'm figuring out how to bring it back now to the, to the people, but I used to do a lot of codependency groups where we talked about very specific self-abandoning behaviors. So we would spend an hour in community really hashing out what a specific behavior would look like, right? So like people pleasing, for example, like mm -hmm. let's spend an entire hour just tackling the self-abandoning behavior of people pleasing, right? To understand it, to see how it's shown up in our life, but also to start to talk together about how we can um, attempt to heal from, right? Or move through this, this behavior. Um, but as far as like our retreat goes, I mean, Danae said it a little while ago so perfectly. It's like, we spend time in community figuring out what those behaviors are and were, right? So let's get really nitty gritty about what they look like. And almost all of us can relate because there's a list of them that we all kind of do, um, some more than others. And then we kind of move into a deeper place of understanding. So we'll do some shadow work, for example. Um, I do like an archetypal um, workshop. So we understand who that real self actually is. Because for many of us, after a lifetime of self-abandoning, what some of the hardest part or one of the hardest things is, is to actually know, but who am I without those self-abandoning behaviors, right? Like who is that real self that I've now like fragmented into all these pieces? And then we move into a place of now, how do I take these tangible tools and move them into my real life, right? So there is kind of like a, a process through which we, we work through this with people. Yeah, I think one of the things that your work is always really helpful from my perspective, V, in helping people understand is that when we're in these codependent ways of being or we fall into codependent dynamics, what we really are is operating without a sense of self. Like a lot of times that is a distraction from the fact that without this person to attach to this behavioral pattern that we've fallen into, I don't feel like I'm a self, right? And yeah. I would think of John, like something that I took from you early on was that when we're in this space of attempting to attach, but it's not our authentic self, we're in that pseudo self that you talk about. And so I feel like Vanessa and I offer like, here are the tangible tools that we've acquired along our path to bring you to what we would call a solid self. And that's the sense of self that like, 
cannot be shaken, like cannot be argued with, like, no, I know who I am for sure, because I've really done the work to get to be in intimate relationship with myself and trust myself. And that's, that's, I think what that looks like, right? Hey, John, can I read a question that came up a while ago that I feel like is a really good conversation starter? And I'm curious to know kind of your thoughts too. Um, Wait, let me let me check in with myself. No. <laughs> if I let you read that, I will be abandoning myself. So I'm gonna say no. Someone okay, well, is not getting any love today. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, of course. I'm just taking it all in, John. Taking it all in. I love um, watching mom and dad banter. It's so much fun. <laughs> okay, so somebody said, so Turfologist said, and this is a great question. That's why that's why I'm reading it. I think it's a it's a really good typical pushback slash question that we get when we talk about this stuff. While self-abandonment isn't okay, it feels like there's a backlash now against sacrifice for relationships and even those with kids. When is individualism just selfish? Mm. I love it. <laughs> we could talk about this all day. Sure can. John, what do you well, think? Well, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's it's activating things in, in, in you both. And I want to know what your thoughts, why, uh, why did you pick that question? And what did that uh, activate in you? Well, I'll, I'll jump in and say that I think if, if you're viewing activation in Vanessa, and I think it's probably because this is so much of what we as women, especially are conditioned by society, like don't be selfish, mm -hmm. um, sort of like this self-sacrifice as a practice of being like, you know, that martyrdom is like what is revered, that is what makes you good, that is what makes you lovable. And what I have come to find is, you know, if we don't put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, if I don't tend to who I am as a self first, not only am I like depleted and don't really have anything to give to the people that I love, but I'm not actually like in authentic relationship with them because I'm in a space of resentment. I'm in a space of overwhelm and I'm not really a self, you know? And I think, you know, the question asked about like, um, you know, your, your husband or your kids. And I think a lot of times what I see ends up happening with clients is what our family members want is to be in relationship with someone who's like thriving and loving their lives. Like that doesn't feel good to the people around you. If you're just always, always giving from a space of depletion, I would argue that is selfish because then they have to sort of feel the energy of your depletion and your resentment and you hating your life. So I don't know. I find that it's a little bit counterintuitive to what we're taught by society to believe, but actually it's less selfish to take care of yourself well first. And I would, I would add to that because I'm going to say yes to everything you just said. And that is the activation that you saw in both of us, John, like being women, but also being mothers in this community, in this society, this life community, right? Like what are the expectations um, and the stories that are put on us that are not put on men? Um, but different also, stories. yeah, but all the different stories for men, right? Now you don't have any stories. Um, but the other component I will add to it is, I think there is a lot of confusion around when Danae and I talk about moving through and working through codependency and moving more towards interdependence, right? Or this idea of self-abandonment um, and kind of reclaiming that. And then this idea of individualism, like I wanna be very clear that neither Danae and I are on board with the hyper individualist kind of Western patriarchal capitalistic way of like, it's every man for himself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That is not healthy individualism. What Danae and I talk about is how to reclaim a sense of self so that you actually can, from a more healthy, loving, secure uh, place, 
actually relate to other people. The point of this work is actually to make your relationships that much stronger. It's not to be so individual that you're then like all alone, which is actually what our society teaches us. Mm -hmm. Because by the way, sacrificing and martyring yourself for others doesn't make you in better relationship and better community with somebody. It actually does lead you to be by yourself in a state of depletion and in a state of resentment, which I would argue is not connectedness. It's the opposite of connectedness. Yeah, uh, we don't want you to be Tom Hanks uh, talking to a volleyball. That's, <laughs> that's not what we mean by this. What we want is uh, protection of self to connect to self so you could connect to other people yes. better. And I think uh, we live in a world where women have not been protected, where women have been living in um, uh, a state of fight or flight, um, looking over their shoulder, they've been suppressed. And so I think it resonates with, with women more uh, than, than, than men. I mean, I know that's a generalization, uh, but I think as humans in general, uh, if we stop abandoning our truth, ourself, and we connect more to us, then we're bringing more to the table. And I love what you guys are saying about resentment, because if you're in a relationship where you know that your partner is abandoning him or herself and you are being quiet, you're not supporting it, but you're saying, well, that's too bad, you know, um, then there's going to be resentment and it's going to impact the quality of the relationship and, and yourself. So, you know, it's all kind of connected in that way. Yeah. I would also say too that men, I hear what you're saying about maybe women resonate with it, but I, what I, what I have experienced as a therapist and as a member of this community of, in, of, of humans is that men self-abandon just as much as women do in other, in different ways, sure. right? And so things like people-pleasing, not gendered, right? Like a lot of these codependent kind of ways of relating across the board, not gendered. It's just that a lot of times with women, it's looked at as necessary martyrdom or necessary ways of keeping yourself small in order to stay in attachment. And for men, the disconnection with self a lot of times comes from disconnecting with their whole authentic self, right? Their emotional self, their truly deeply feeling uh, interconnected self that we tell men and boys they have to cut off in order to be a man, right? That's all self-abandoning behavior too. I think that maybe the language, I don't know, resonates more only because maybe we're leading the charge in this part of it, like Danae and I are, but I say that we are, we're all in this together. I think it's actually the word selfish. I don't know if that feels true for you, V, but that was a little bit of the oop word that's like word. a word that I think for women carries a lot of um, energy in it because I don't, and this is like when I work with couples, I find that normally in, in, in heterosexual couples, the man has a lot less difficulty with the idea of being selfish than is socialized in women. Like men will take time to go to the gym. Men will um, prioritize themselves and in ways that we as women are just really socialized to feel is selfish, right? Like there's just so much more like guilt about I'm a mom and I've got like things that I wanna do for me, but is that fair to my kid? Like, I feel like it's just socialized into women in a different way from my perspective. Yeah, that's a good point. So one of the things that uh, you guys are doing, which has uh, been super powerful is actually um, creating an experience for uh, men or women to come with you guys and learn how to 
not abandon self or at least do it less, right? Kind of the, the first process to this. Yeah, I think. Tell, tell us about this experience. When is it? Where is it? And um, what's it like? Yeah, so Vanessa and I are having our second now annual um, New Year retreat, and it's an intensive experience called From Self-Abandonment to Inner Belonging. Um, we do it at, in Carefree, Arizona at a place called Savannah Wellness Center and Spa. Savannah Resort and Spa, me? I love how you just had a mini, a mini meltdown. Savannah, where are we going, me? Um... But yeah, it's just the most incredible space. And we went there last year and absolutely fell in love with the staff and the food. And um, and we had just an incredible immersive experience where we come together um, as a community and we talk about all of the things that we're talking about and really explore and unpack how these things have shown up for each of us and um, you know ways that we can move forward a little bit differently in a more empowered space. And I think there's just something so fundamentally um, like an alchemical shift that happens when we hear what I do in my life being shared by people in a room and they're doing the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a human thing. This isn't a me and I'm a flawed and I can't love myself well thing. Um, we all do this because we've been socialized to do it. But once we realize this is what we've been doing, we can start to make a different choice. And so it's, you know, it's really empowering for people to see themselves and others, but also just the community that is developed in this week of a deep immersive experience with other people was just so incredible. Yes, and I would love, my hope would be um, for more men to attend. Mm. You know, uh, there's something I think really courageous about a man going to a retreat about self-abandonment. You know, I think that's kind of the new man. Um, so if you're, if you're a man listening and any of, if any of this is resonating with you, uh, you should do this. It's amazing. And the link will be in the show notes, but you could also go to their social medias. Um, it's about a week. And uh, you're going to go deeper on not only this, but, you know, Danae, um, she talks about this through the lens of uh, the masculine and feminine energy mm -hmm. and uh, the healthy and the wounded, which I think is so interesting. And she's come up with a really cool template. Uh, it's simple, but it's so powerful. Um, and maybe you could go go kind of like uh, just quick notes on that. Um, but she comes up with four spaces and if you know kind of where you fall um how your energy affects your life you know and so do you want to just touch upon that just a little bit to give a teaser yeah sure thanks it's you know i have come to understand and become a little bit obsessed with studying masculine and feminine energetics mm -hmm. from the standpoint of our societal structures the school that i went to with vanessa um was based on Jungian psychology and Carl Jung was the first person to identify that all of us have both masculine and feminine, feminine energy within us. But what we have found is that our society has really been operating from a wounded masculine space, which is competitive and narcissistic and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and every man for himself. Um, and we've really been conditioned, all of us, men, women, doesn't matter how you identify in terms of gender, to not only disregard the healthy feminine 
within us, which is a part of ourselves that we are separating ourselves from, but also our healthy masculine energy. And so if we look at the ways that we are conditioned to self-abandon based on a patriarchal system that, you know, in terms of capitalism, in terms of the ways that our society has really conditioned us to not be a solid self, integrating both healthy masculine and feminine within, then we sort of use that template that you were describing um, to identify like, where am I in this system and in this exchange so that I can come back to a more integrated space, a healthy, full, solid self um, within, right? What are some signs of the wounded masculine? And then tell me what are some signs of the healthy masculine? Okay, so the wounded masculine is the avoidant energy, right? Like can't be wrong, needs to fix, afraid of failure, all of these things that we are just like, societally really conditioned to see as the baseline, right? Mm -hmm. Healthy masculine energy um, is humble, um, faces death, faces the things that all of us fundamentally are afraid of, um, knows the self well, is able to respond versus reacting in situations. It's really about being um, present. I think when I think of like working with men in general, um, men talk to me about more than anything else, how difficult it is for them to stay present. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is like that in a lot of ways we've really, um, and this is my problem with like the term toxic masculinity across the board, we've really shamed men out of masculinity and named it something that is just not the truth. Like, yes, wounded masculinity could certainly maybe be considered toxic, but healthy masculinity is absolutely beautiful. And all of us need to reclaim our healthy masculine um, within us so that we can be healthy containers for the world and that we can provide space and all of those things about loving those around us well, we can't do that without healthy masculine energy. Yeah, so this really landed with me as a man. Uh, I was in my wounded masculine in my 20s and 30s and I thought that's what being masculine meant, right? And today I'm more in uh, a healthier masculine and leaning into um, all you know, speaking of definitions, leading into new definitions of, of what a, a man, partner, father looks like. So as Danae talks through the lens of the, the, the masculine and feminine, those energetics, um, Vanessa talks through the lens of codependency. And what makes this retreat really cool is you have two different pistons pumping, right? So uh, you, you're seeing things from different angles and the conversations become really interesting, insightful, and uh, deeper because of that. So Vanessa... Um, how do you see self-abandonment through the lens of codependency? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons why Danae and I are soul sisters, right, is that we're kind of like the yin to each other's yang and that, and this is how it shows up when we work together, which is I tend to, like, I'm a Taurus. I tend to be, like, more of this earth. Let's get tactical. Let's be logical. You know, I'm a New Yorker. Um, and so my energy is very, like, okay, we can hear about this. We can learn about this, and then let's put it into action, Right. I actually tend to in our relationship dynamic, I actually tend to embody more of that masculine energy. And then Danae kind of fluidly takes us into the more feminine energy, which is like, let's question things at a larger scale. Like what is larger than us? Right. Like a place of spirit and kind of going from the ethereal to more of like the earthly ethereal to the earthly. And that's how her and I tend to work, um, which we have found to be really effective in this in this work. Right. In this in this world of work. So from the codependency side, um, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I get very clear about the actual 
tangible, practical ways that these behaviors show up, right? So it might be people pleasing. It might be this idea of like being a chameleon. So like showing up however you think somebody needs you to show up in any situation to the point where you don't actually even know who you are, right? It might be um, like white lying. It might be like all of these very specific behaviors that over the years of studying codependency and clients and in myself, I've come to understand are like kind of the traits, like the core traits of codependency. Um, so we will, you know, inability to set boundaries, for example. So then we'll spend a couple hours talking about boundaries. And I know boundaries are this word that uh, has kind of become like a buzzword these days. But I think understanding it in terms of interdependence in relationships is a is a different way of looking at it. Because the way that I see boundaries right now kind of in the social media vernacular is almost to the space of like this, right? And it's like, this is my boundary. This is my boundary. And Danae and I look at boundaries in a lot of a different way, which is boundaries are actually more about yourself, right? It's more about you being true to yourself and upholding a boundary on the other side. So what is the byproduct of somebody not or somebody disrespecting a boundary, right? The way that you respond, the way that you hold yourself accountable in that is actually what the boundary is about. And so, um, yeah, we spend some time going through these specific behaviors. We spend some time understanding where they come from and where they started. So we do a lot of kind of like, um, family of origin type stuff. And then we talk about tangible tools, right? Again, like the things that are gonna come up for you as you start to change these behaviors, but giving you like tangible ways to actually move forward into your community and start to see that change be lasting so that when you leave like a retreat space, which is such a cocoon, mm -hmm. you don't just kind of snap back into your, your old way of being. Now let's talk about what's really important. Um, how's the food at this retreat? Oh my God. <laughs> the best part legitimately um, the food was so good um i was just dreaming about that as i was i was doing real the other day looking through like footage and all of the videos of the food were really making me excited for this retreat yeah this space is just beautiful and you know they do this this is what they do right like deepak chopra's team does all their retreats there like they've got this shit unlocked so you're gonna go you're gonna give everything up like it's all handled it's all taken care of the best food you know we do this amazing sound bath that they actually help you know they put on for us they have a list of um other wellness kind of programs that you can partake in once you're on the resort space they have like a world-renowned spa so we give people wednesdays it's kind of like a free day and almost everybody took advantage of the spa services like it's definitely a week to kind of pamper yourself but with a lot of hard work sprinkled in there so it's um it's a it's a pretty amazing week <laughs> yeah Jardino says let's go listen uh, this is happening in January, and what better way to start start off the new year than to learn how to stop abandoning yourself? We've got four seats left, so yeah, if you are interested, get on. And uh, you're going to meet them in person, you're, but you're also going to meet a lot of people um, with the same, same you know, um, common thread as far as passion, what you want to work on, where you're at in your life. And there's something really powerful about group work and being community. And of course, Danae says, lots of good eats which is a plus. Um, so yeah, check them out. And this is a really important topic. And I think, uh, you know, I talk a lot about first dominoes and uh, not abandoning yourself was definitely one of the first dominoes for mm -hmm. me after my divorce. And um, you never know the kind of ripple that that will have not only on yourself, but all everyone around you, right? You yeah. setting the example. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger than you type of thing. So 
if this is something that is resonating with you, uh, check out Vanessa and Danae and go to their retreat this January. Thanks, John. Thank you, well. John. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.